Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast, now from Maggie's Closet. <laughs> we recorded the last one from my closet to see if the acoustics were better, and unfortunately for us, they were, so... <laughs> so we hope that your ears appreciate it. Yep. Um, so on this episode, we're doing uh, 1945's The Lost Weekend, so the 18th Oscar Best Picture winner. Mm -hmm. As Ian said, this is from 1945. It is a film noir directed by Billy Wilder. Um, Wilder directed, like, I don't know, he's so good at film noir. Um, he also directed Double Indemnity the previous year, which was one of the Oscar nominees. Mm -hmm. And he directed one of our personal favorites, Sunset Boulevard. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering why I was seeing a lot of familiar, yep. like, camera work yes it's it's so, okay. his style but um he's very good at film noir he did of course also direct things like comedies like some like it hot and stuff so mm -hmm. i mean look up his filmography it's very impressive i think he's very much becoming one of my all-time favorite directors but anyway moving on <laughs> to more background um this also won the grand prix which at the time was the highest award at the Cannes film festival it is one of two films to win both best picture and like the highest prize at Cannes. the other one was marty interesting yeah um other awards and nominations for this one because there's some other background that i have but i just kind of want to like sprinkle it in as we talk about those parts of the movies i'm totally good um, for that <laughs> but yeah so obviously it won best picture billy wilder won best director ray Milland won best actor it also won for best screenplay um and it was nominated for best cinematography nominated for best original score and nominated for film editing I okay so I am on board with all of those except I I'm really torn because there are several scenes where I feel that Ray's performance is horrendously overdone I'm okay with it I do think there are some cases where he is not being matched I hmm. I, I actually quite liked his performance I, I will I don't think it was 100% perfect mm-hmm but I would say just overall, like, I was actually a big fan of it. Um, but we'll okay. get into that more because I think we're going to break this one down because it's very much a character study. Yeah. So chronology so, isn't. Yeah. Chronology is not really good. a big thing. So I think we'll just kind of break this down into talking about like performances. And that's when we'll hit on like the few main plot points that there were. And then we'll talk about, I think we wanted to do cinematography and score were the other two we really wanted to discuss. Yes. So we'll kind of they break were this. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. We'll break this one down like that. Um, other nominees from that year, The Bells of St. Mary's, which was the sequel to Going My Way, which was our previous winner. And oh, which the I one, still need to watch. I know. That's the one that I was like, people should watch that instead. Um, Anchors Away, Mildred Pierce, which I believe is another film noir. Um, it's very famous and I've not seen it and I'm a little ashamed of that. And Spellbound. Hey, it's okay. We can call this, I haven't seen this movie, Confessional Hour and I will win. Annie's, I mean, not Annie. <laughs> Why did I call you Annie? It's <laughs> fine. my sister. I, I take that as a compliment. Sorry. It's, we're recording this one kind of early in the morning, so I'm not fully awake yet. Um, but Ian's just blanket statement, Ian's catchphrase is, I haven't seen that one. Exactly. It's like you ask me if I've seen anything after 1945, but before about 2010, and the answer is no. <laughs> hurts me that's why we're know, doing this I'm podcast sorry. though we're getting you there we're getting you there <laughs> I'm, I'm working on slowly it slowly but surely we're getting you there okay um i think we can just like tumble into watch notes yeah let's good. do it so, so which one do you want to talk about first um let's start with wick because i think wick is probably the easiest to throw away weakest performance oh the my film, god easily. he was one note the entire he was time very robotic he actually reminded me of the very robotic terrorist in die hard yeah i could see that yeah but it uh, killed Philip Terry, I think, was the actor. But I, I don't know what it was. But like, it was, just, it was a very robotic performance. I wasn't super believing it. Like, well, and it's like he was just always treating his brother with derision. But except his for actions... in the flashback, there is the one flashback where we get to see when mm -hmm. Wick used to like cover for Don. Don's the main character. Oh, because you know. I don't Don know if I said alcoholic. any synopsis yeah. for this, but it's oh, basically yeah. this character study of an alcoholic writer and kind and of how he ruins the lives of people around him. Yeah. And in his relationships and don't get me started on Helen. <laughs> I know. I. Oh, okay. So anyway, back to Wick. Wick, as Maggie said, we had that flashback where we got to see that at one point he was like very compassionate towards yeah. his brother don he's like hiding the empty bottle for him after don gets drunk he's like hiding it from helen and he's like oh no i that's my bottle i'm the alcoholic actor and 
Well, and or then, not the alcoholic actor, I'm the alcoholic in, the, in family. the family. Yeah. And I love how they say one turn of phrase that I actually really liked was, oh, he drinks. Yeah. Well, it's a very old school one that's like code for he's an alcoholic. Right. So it, yeah. I don't know that that played to my some semi-Southern upbringing where it's like you're saying everything but saying nothing say it, at the same time. <laughs> or you say everything but you say it so politely so exactly. that if it were written down, it would seemingly have nothing wrong with it. <laughs> um. But yeah, in the flashback, I like that because it gave him a little bit of depth. But like in the very first scene... Well, they established that all the stuff that happens in the flashback is three years before where the movie starts. Mm -hmm. So it's like the idea that like Wick and Helen have been dealing with this shit for three years, which is why they're both... Well, Wick is just completely done, which I have to say, given that his performance wasn't great, I was happy that they kind of got him out of the picture pretty quickly. And I think you could probably interpret his performance as trying to emphasize how done he is with the whole situation. But like, to me, I don't know, the immense amount of just pure, what seemed like anger and derision needed like a counterpoint of some just exhaustion. Yes, I wanted like frustration and exhaustion. And like, it, it wasn't but like the anger and derision didn't even feel like that genuine. Like, I thought Jane Wyman, who played Helen, her performance, I thought like there was there were more layers to it and there was like more there and she seemed to actually be feeling emotion of any kind. I mean, yeah, I still think she's delusional, but Oh, the, with the character, <laughs> I'm like, honey, the performance was great though. Yeah. I thought her performance was good, but with the character, I felt so bad for Helen, but also so frustrated with Helen because I'm like, I know you obviously love him, but at some point, like it's been three years, you can't help him. You need to look after yourself. Granted, she does kind of save him in the end. Um, which I'm not entirely sure how I felt about the ending, honestly. Oh, so. Because I would say the majority of the, like, this movie is a, um, oh, is, it's modernist, I guess. That would have been the literary movement, but I wanted mm-hmm. it to be, because a little bit postmodernist, because the difference between modernist and postmodernist is that there's hope at the end in modernist, which there was in this, but I kind of almost wanted it to be a little bit more bleak at the end oh i am totally with you so i guess let's set wick aside he's yeah we've, kind of we've said what we want about wick so yeah with helen's performance i did actually see emotion there and i really in- enjoyed the fact that she was able to make me believe it in a way that Wick couldn't and yeah. like some of the little things that she did where it's like okay bend down I love like, that, that with, was to really kiss him sweet. because there mm-hmm. was such a height disparity. I thought it was cute when she would just be like, bend down for a kiss. And then, of course, it later comes back where he goes to bend and she hasn't told him to. And he's like, you don't like want me to bend down for a kiss? And she's like, no, I'm fucking done. <laughs> um, As she should have been. Well, and you have like the whole theme around like her leopard coat because they yes. meet at the opera, which I want to talk about this opera scene. Because yeah, let's do it. I feel like we've had a weird amount of opera scenes in our Best Picture winners. Hands down, my favorite one, because of the way they shot this, is you have the opera going on, um, and I can't remember which opera it was. La Traviata. La Traviata. And it's the scene that they're like showing is like a big party scene, and you have Don in the audience, but he's not watching the opera and the camera's never focused on like the opera it's focused on all of the booze in the opera yeah yeah and it's like he's you know watching people fill up a glass and it's like zooming in Mm -hmm. on this guy filling up a glass with wine and like the tray of glasses moving across the stage like you move with that even though there's these beautiful Mm -hmm. performances going on and i just thought that was such a great way of showing that like his addiction is the only thing he can focus Mm -hmm. on because he had to check his coat and couldn't get his bottle of rye whiskey out of the pocket exactly and the way they interspersed those cuts of the alcohol on stage with this beautiful shot of him in the crowd where they did some really good lighting on this where he oh, just all the good popped. shadows in this movie <laughs> yes all the good shadows which is why i watched it with because when i was doing my background i actually was not familiar with this movie i don't think i'd ever seen it i thought maybe i had but i think i'm thinking of another movie about an alcoholic <laughs> character who ruins his relationships um, awesome but, but yeah so spoiler anyway, alert i watched it in the dark and you should watch this movie completely in the dark with all your lights off. It makes my notes a that. little hard to read, but like. Because, <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, I didn't really like the themes of this movie I at all. I actually really loved but this movie. I loved visually all of the work that was happening. Oh, so, yeah. like, for and we'll me, talk the more about the cinematography, that. but like, I just wanted to bring up that opera scene because it's 
so crucial to how Helen and Don meet. Yeah, because the whole point is Don ends up seeing in all of the dancers his coat with the whiskey in the pocket and it's yeah. like okay i gotta go at the end of the overture he just goes out tries to get his coat but there's a mix-up with the tickets so and he has to basically the coat check guy won't help him and he's i, I like that this movie because it was um one of the first if not the first to really address alcoholism and mm-hmm. i think you know this is 1945 so it's still we're still like pretty early and the fact that they are showing it so much as a sickness and not just like a complete failing of moral character like they're not just like he's terrible because he's an alcoholic and how dare he but they're showing that it's like a sickness and that he's trying and that he's so aware of everything that's wrong and he knows that he's sick but he just can't help himself and but there's so much shame there too Mm because like he can't he can't tell the coat check guy like i just need the like find the coat with the bottle of rye in it like that's my coat yeah. like he's he's so ashamed mm-hmm. and i just i don't know i think that's i well, mean I've, I i'm not an alcoholic that. i've never been an alcoholic so i would never you know really understand mm-hmm. but from you know people i've known who have had any sort of addiction or you know anything that i've read like that that seems so much more realistic to me yeah i do really enjoy the fact that they handled it that way. And I mean, they explicitly come out and say that with a line that Helen delivers to Wick where it's like, like, he's sick. If you, if he had like a heart attack, you wouldn't walk out on him. Would you? Yeah. Is I think it roughly what she says. And I don't know. That was, I thought that was very progressive. Yeah. Like surprisingly so. Well, apparently the, um, so this is based on a book by the same name that came out the previous year, but Part of what Wilder was doing with this um, movie was he had worked with the very famous um, noir writer Raymond Mm -hmm. Chandler the previous year for Double Indemnity. And Chandler was an alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic at the time. And their work on Double Indemnity had been like very stressful Mm -hmm. and it had like brought out some of the worst parts of Chandler's alcoholism. So part of what Wilder was doing was being like, this is what you are like. <laughs> oh. Like, th- like this is like I don't know. I've it was kind of like a representation of like this is like what alcoholics are going through. Yeah. Um, having like dealt with it the previous year and stuff like that. So, huh? That's yeah. really interesting. So, some other standout scenes for me with Don really surrounded his. Oh, time. did we talk more about the meeting? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, getting way we keep ahead getting of myself. off track. Um, so, but anyway, so they it turns out that the coat check tickets have been yep. switched and it's actually been switched with Helen's. Um she has this leopard print jacket that is beautiful and I want, but it's like <laughs> it's also this really great Are you sure it's leopard print? I'm not so sure it would have been print at this point, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely not leopard's Actually, it might be leopard fur because they I take it to say... a furrier he, or he pawns it at a like fur pawn yeah. shop later but like um it becomes kind of a symbol for them and their relationship mm-hmm. and it gets tied back in beautiful ways but anyway so they meet when the opera is finally over because he's had to wait the whole opera to find out who had his coat ticket well, so that they felt swap. compelled to wait the whole opera true yeah he could have left and just come back and gotten his coat the next day but he can't leave yeah. that bottle of whiskey but he also can't go get another bottle of whiskey because his brother has him on a short financial leash. Yep. So this. Well, he also is kind of just broke. I mean, yeah, he he's. We understand that he's had a lot of potential, and then alcoholism has like ruined that for him. Yeah. Which, hey, that's as you said, not a theme that people have dealt with very much. And mm-hmm. I think the context with um, what was the film the previous previous year? Going my going. Way. No, 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 no. The um, the oh, double, more, double indemnity. indemnity. Yeah, that background for me that makes a lot more sense as to why this movie got yeah. made by this director. But their their meeting scene, I actually had a lot like had some issues with Don in this scene. He's such an asshole, and I wanted to be like Helen. Don't well, continue to talk. And to I this loved guy. that. But this was one of two scenes. The other one is the ending scene, and we can get to that at some point um, later. But the way his personality flips like a switch. I actually like it oh, a lot. Oh, I hate it. I like People it because... People don't do that. They, they like do, They need some quick transition. It's not just a flip. No, they can do that. And it's he talks about it, about how there are two Dons. There's 
Don the Drunk. Mm-hmm. And he also has a line um, where that I love. I think it's that he says to Wick when he finally, you know, when Helen, it's the scene where Helen finally learns that he's an alcoholic and Wick tries to yeah. cover for him where he, Wick's like, you drink, it's not a big deal. And he says, I don't drink, I'm a drunk. Oh, yeah. And I love that, that line. That line there there were some really great lines in here that I definitely wrote down and can go through as I find them in my notes. <laughs> but um, I thought the dialogue was actually quite good. But the idea that there are those two Dons, there's Don the drunk and then there's Don the writer and that they are constantly battling for like dominance, I guess. Yeah. And I think it's something, you know, the quick flip, it's like the idea almost that like, Yes, he's in love for Helen, but like Drunk Don still wins. Like, you know, he's really moody because he's mad because he's had to wait for this whiskey. So mm-hmm. he's waited for the whiskey. He gets it. He's kind of an asshole about it. Helen's like, dude, what are you doing? And then he like, you know, finally, like he's got his whiskey. So like the addict can kind of calm down a bit and he can actually be like the charming writer Don that he, I guess, quote, truly is but which one you know you well, truly are i guess okay. is up for debate but so then, this is i am more on board with that switch okay, now but then with this reading you, but you get it again later in that scene where she kind of invites him to go to that party with her and he's like no like i'm supposed to meet a friend he drops the bottle as he's bringing it out of his coat she sees it and is like did you have that in your pocket like is that why you wanted your coat so badly which like Oh, Helen, the signs were all there, honey. But oh, like, no, when he threw her umbrella at her, I was like, run the fucking yeah, other I would have just right picked now. up my umbrella, waited for him to leave, and then like left. Like, I just wouldn't have talked to him anymore. But like, then, you know, he drops the bottle. He's like, oh, my friend who I was going to go visit was sick, and I was going to bring him this. And she's like, oh, okay. And then he immediately because he had been like no i don't want to go to that party then he immediately is like well what kind of party is and she's like cocktail party and he's like can i still go with you like it's again it's the addict winning and and then you have signs there too helen he just bailed on his good friend who he was gonna go take care of i know which i would have been like don't you need to go see your friend like yeah so but then you you have him again though there's the bit where he talks about like you know then for you know he was sober for like several months because he like really liked Helen and he was like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna get better yeah but then all it took was the doubt instilled by her parents and I love I love this too because again it's not the 100% that like you're an alcoholic because you're weak and there's something wrong with you but they so clearly depict that all of his like his alcoholism and his addiction stem from like a deep internalized self-loathing and feeling Mm -hmm. of inadequacy and like feeling of failure because he's supposed to meet her parents and he makes it to the hotel. Helen's not down there yet, but he ends up seated on this couch um, where he's on one side and her, clearly her parents are on the other side. And they're talking about this guy and they're like, what did she say he did? Like, does he like not have a job? And basically they're talking about his, quote, prospects. And yeah. you can see, and this is actually, if we kind of want to like slowly start to pivot into um, Ray Milan's performance, like... I thought he did a phenomenal job. He does a phenomenal job. I mean, I thought he did well with some of the line deliveries too, but especially mm-hmm. when it's just him reacting, it was so good because he's, you know, starting to get a bit of the cold sweat. He, You can see him starting to like the insecurity starting to be brought out because he walks into that hotel so confidently. Yeah. And then like, as they're talking about his prospects, as they're like, who is this guy even like, is he good enough for Helen? Like he's getting more and more unsure and he ends up bailing. Yeah, and he, which that was, and he hates himself for it, yeah. but he can't not do it. And that's when he falls back into the alcoholism. And then you get Helen coming to the apartment and being like, so he was a no show to meet my parents and Wick tries to cover for him. You have the great part where she kind of, I don't want to say flop because it's so more, much more graceful than that. But she like kind of flops onto the couch and the bottle that Wick had put under the couch rolls out. And he like kind of walks over and is like trying to like nudge it back yeah. under the couch and she's and like she what are you it. doing wick <laughs> and that's when he's like i'm the alcoholic but then ray or not well ray but don. the character don um can't can't handle listening to his brother lie like that for yeah, him because don's in the other room hiding from yeah, helen drunk. At this point. yeah and yeah that scene i think also is a good some of the ways that billy wilder used like the props in the scene 
to really great effect for this like dramatic like that, that's the thing that i wrote down like multiple times throughout this is there's like intense dramatic irony at this oh, point yeah. where we can see exactly what's about to go on and just are waiting on the edge of our seats to see it happen so the bottle had rolled out once or twice prior to helen even coming in so I was sitting there like, okay, what's going to happen? How is this going to play mm-hmm. out? And Wick is too good. He didn't need to do that. But I was really pissed at Don for throwing away all of Wick's work. <laughs> but at the same time, like Don's right. Like it's like Helen would have found out eventually it's unfair to her not to know. I mean, that's true. But like, yeah. But I, is she being willfully blind? <laughs> yes. But it's, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I felt like the relationships and the way that they arced were so realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like Milan's performance in general, I also love how he, there was a very distinct, again, we got the kind of distinct two Dons. Like we got addict Don and we got writer charming right. Don. And then also the way he would flip what, you know, after he was going through the withdrawal and like the, I need a drink to mm-hmm. once he had the drink, like you see that, especially in that bar scene, like he goes in, he's talking to the bartender, Nat, and he's like, Nat, like I need, like, just give me like one rye. Oh and then God. there's that moment where Nat fills up the glass and he immediately goes to take like to take the shot and like just he catches himself and like slowly puts it down. And then he's like sitting there looking at it, thinking about it, because, you know, at the very beginning of the film, he and Wick are supposed to go away for a weekend. Like, yeah. And he's like looking at the shot and then he just really quickly just throws it back. And then there's like an immediate relief. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting, you know, they have the, um, he's talking about the circle under the glass yeah. that the, the liquid would make on the table and he, how it's the most beautiful shape in the world. And he starts getting very like eloquent and he's this almost like not quite manic, but this very like effusive kind of positive. Manic is a very good way to put it though. He gets on this like high yeah. of sorts. Yeah. And then you slowly have the circles adding up on the table to that kind of show us really... just how much he's had. Yeah. That was a really cool effect to me because you, yeah. you, you panned, you closed that scene with that. And then I believe. Wilder's you... so good at just visuals. Yeah. So, well, and no, I was thinking um, there were a couple scenes here where I was getting some Edgar Wright feels. <laughs> Um, so like one specific one was the next morning after, um, Wick has been like, ah, screw it. I'm going anyway. And Dawn comes into Nat's place and meets up with Gloria, who is like coded to be this hussy, but I love her. And yeah. She, it's, her it's outfits are amazing. Impli- I loved Gloria too. It's implied that her, she's engaging An in escort, at least some probably. prostitution. Yeah. Um, I loved her too. She also truncates words that don't need to be truncated the way you do oh and God. i legit thought of with you. those abreaves i totally was like abreaves were derided even then yes like, yes no as i was ridic. like watching that okay. scene i was like ian is gloria and i am dawn in this scene being like don't truncate that word it's stupid no it's perf anyway a, a client comes in and gloria is basically like ah, no whatever 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 I'm... Her dialogue was good, and that actress delivered it really oh, well. Oh, completely agree. Her performance was fantastic. I mean, I'll look up her name while you continue Sounds to good. talk. Um, but this client had asked for a glass of water, and on the way out, this scene really stuck in my head where Gloria has rebuffed him, the client. And as he's walking out, you see Nat's hand pop out of the, the side of the shot with the glass of water, and the client just kind of storms out and is like, no, I don't want the water anymore. Yeah. So that was... I don't know, kind of the both the shot and then some of the fun action in that scene. I, I really enjoyed. That actress was Doris Dowling. Well, I want to see more of Doris acting. Yeah, I yes. quite enjoyed her performance. So and like uh, her costumes were great. The The rest of the costumes, like I, I appreciated the use, as you said, of like the leopard coat. Mm-hmm. That was a good metaphor for yeah. their, their well, relationship. Especially because, you know, the end of the movie Don takes the coat, yeah, and, and pawns, pawns it because for a gun, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, to get his gun back because he has this whole speech where he talks about he'd thought about ending it and he bought a gun, he bought the bullets, he still has the bullets, but he pawned the gun for more booze because drunk Don went out because drunk Don was like, hey, let's uh let's have a drink first because drunk Don always wants to have a drink first. Oh yeah, and I God that speech was so good and I thought. Ray Milan delivered it really well. So I know you were saying that you thought some of his parts were overacted. Well, my my issues with the overacting were primarily in the very first scene. Yes, um, I will agree. That was 
like with the bottle hanging outside the window. I, like this was... I loved that intro though. And I actually loved the way he was doing that. And he was like, he knew very well the typewriter was under his bed, but he's telling Wick to like check the closet and yeah. stuff so he can try and get the bottle that he has hung out of his window. To hide it. To hide. So he can try and like get that and put it in his suitcase. Yeah. So that, I don't know. It. I'm trying to figure out like Some pinpoint del- exactly. So I, I think I know why. It was I just like very why. forceful. I think I know why. Delivery and the expressions so, on his face were like. Oh, see, I uh, was down with anything in the first scene. I was down with any time he wasn't speaking but i thought some of the line delivery seemed a little melodramatic but i think that was in contrast to wick's performance like philip terry's performance as wick because he was delivering nothing so yeah. i think that that made ray milan's performance by comparison seem a little mm-hmm. mismatched but like i other than that first scene i thought it was all done really really nicely and well, i think see, the first scene was less a problem with him and more of a problem with the other actor in the scene. I mean, I also back in the apartment when Don goes through and tries to find all his booze. I loved that scene so much because he's absolutely tearing that apartment apart. And it's just like you, and it starts slowly where he's just like checking all the places. And then even when like at the very beginning, when Wick and Helen leave to like go to the opera Mm -hmm. and you see him like trying to check all the places he normally would have had booze stashed. And it's just like the ridiculousness of it. Like, the bag of the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. It's like one of those things where you're just like, this is what this has done to this man. Like, this is how low an adult is now stooping because of like this horrible addiction and illness. Like, I don't, I also got some train spotting vibes from this. Oh, absolutely. Some very strong train spotting yeah, vibes. Yeah. Um, Which is not a comedy in especially, case anybody was confused. Yeah, I... <laughs> or at least we didn't think well, it was. It's, no, it's classified as a comedy, which is uh, the part that gets me because I never watched it. We need to it. watch it again and see if we... I don't think I want to because that movie like, legit gave me nightmares. <laughs> but there's specifically the scene where he's hallucinating... Yeah, the rat with the bat. About the rat and the bat because he does end up... Um, in the Bellevue Alcoholic Ward, which they actually had unprecedented Ooh. access to film in the b- actual Bellevue Hospital really? Alcoholic Ward, never granted again. Um, they're well, the I only mean, movie after to have they, gotten like, to. Filmed this scene, I'm not surprised because yeah. like this whole scene, I, I it was a straight amazing. horror movie. It was because okay, I loved so first it. of all, you have Bim, or as I like to call him, Creepy Nurse, Nurse Ratchet. Yes, um, <laughs> coming in and basically is like. Uh, He's on the surface, like saccharine, sweet, like I'm going to take care of you. And then has this like sinister undertone that comes out more and more well, and there's, throughout that he's scene. He's clearly so jaded. And I mean, if you'd worked in that oh, ward for be so long, because he's, he's, you know, trying to get um, Don's info and Don's like, you don't need my info. Like, you don't need to tell anyone I'm here. Like, I'm like, I'm just going to leave. Like, it's fine. And, and he's, he's like, like nope. you'll be back because like he's, you know, pointing out the other members of the warden he's like you know that guy is in charge of like a big bank um, been this coming is in his... since 1926 yeah and he's like prohibition yeah. yeah he's like says something about prohibition he's like we well, started you should have seen it back then like standing room only yeah he's basically going through and being he like, had really good writing as well yes. to work with. oh yes they all of bim's dialogue was good and i thought the performance was on yes and on then point. Let me the camera work name. in here too was we'll amazing. talk about that more when we start tackling cinematography uh, but like yeah the idea that it's like this is not something you can ignore. And like, if you continue to treat it the way you're currently treating it, like you're not going to get better. Right. Like you'll just come back and it gives Don like this absolute hopelessness, which then is, I think what leads him very much to want to commit suicide at right. the end. Um, I feel like the Bellevue point is kind of his breaking point, but in that conversation, mm-hmm. Ben's talking about how um, with like when you're detoxing from like such severe alcoholism, like you will hallucinate and stuff. And he's like, it's always little animals. And then later after, you know, that night there is the guy who goes through it and is like screaming. And it's so horrifying. It, it is horrifying. Ooh. But like, it scares the shit out of Dawn. And we'll talk about, yeah, we'll talk about all the cinematography in that scene because it's so good. But yeah, but then Dawn experiences the little yes, animals he in escapes. his apartment. And he experiences it in his apartment, and it's a bat and a mouse, and then the mouse is, like, coming through the wall, this bat flies in, and then the bat, like, eats the mouse, and I was like, oh. Well, and they even had the drip of blood coming yes. down the oh wall. Yes, oh my god, I was, like, so, I was like, holy <laughs> shit, like, I, ugh. 
I no. like loved it okay. and hated it at the same time. But anyway, it reminded me of the baby in train spotting. Like I had oh, that visceral, yeah. like this is a horrific reaction. My only, okay. My only complaint is that does not match the internal consistency of him detoxing. Cause he was still drunk. <laughs> so he was just hallucinating. Was he still drunk? At that yeah. Time? Cause he had gotten another bottle. He had stolen another bottle of liquor. Maybe it wasn't enough. Apparently not. So, or maybe he was like hitting, he had been without it for long enough that he was like hitting the detox symptoms and that didn't quite set in yet. Yeah. I mean, anyway, that that's my little gripe. That's his breaking point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then when Helen comes to the apartment and he's like horrified because he can see her trying to like trying to open the door that he's locked and she has the landlady like get her the yep. janitor's keys. And when she opens the door and he is curled up against the door as if he was just trying to keep it from opening because he's just had this horrible hallucination. He doesn't know what's on the other side of the door. And that like broke my heart. I mean, yes, I'm. And like, I love I love the shot. Too I'm going to come out as an and asshole and be like Helen at this point. In. I was not so happy with Don, and I was like, I'm glad you're at rock bottom because you need this. You have to hit rock bottom before you can get yeah. better. But like, like, I did not have sympathy for him at this point. I was so conflicted about how I felt about Don, and I think that's why I really enjoyed the movie, because I love characters that aren't good or bad. I mean, I also love a character that I can really get behind or a character I can really hate, <laughs> but like, yeah. when I'm conflicted, because it, it's like, you are... You are frustrated with him. And, like, honestly, I, as a person, I think if I had somebody like Don in my life, I don't know if I'd stick it out for three years. I don't think I could. Um, oh, absolutely but like, not. You know, watching the way this movie focuses on him, and again, it shows the struggle and it deals with it as a sickness and not just like a character flaw. And the way that Don is so aware of it and will try, but is also so incapable of. I guess pulling himself out of it. Mm -hmm. It's like you feel for him, but you are also frustrated with him because you're like, look at all the destruction you're doing. But I think because the character is so self-aware, mm -hmm. you can have sympathy for him. Again, I would not have stuck it out for three years the way Helen and Wick have. Yeah. I, I and guess I'm sure very different when you were actually dealing with right. that versus watching it in a movie. Well, and that's where I think for me, they did a good job of making Helen a very I, I, relatable is not the right word, but like you can feel for Helen quite a bit. And so I had like uh, wanted to like be protective of her and Wick. oh yeah I wanted and to so, be like Helen you like get out. it's not so it's not your really, job to fix other people right. well and that's why I was so frustrated with Dawn because I, I'm not going to be frustrated like I'm going to be a little bit frustrated with Helen but yeah. let's be honest here she is the victim in this situation yes, yes, even yes. if she's sticking with him yes still. yes yes like uh so I I don't know that kind of colored how yeah. I saw that but so. I mean I you know I think this is why. This is such an honest portrayal of addiction and alcoholism because, like, Don is hurting people he loves. Mm -hmm. Like, you you see that. And, like, he's, you know, hurting himself. He's hurting everyone around him. He knows that's the case. He still can't do anything about it. Like, it's – I don't know. I, I just thought it was very honest. And it this movie felt so much more modern than almost anything we had up to this point, I think, because of that. Like, because it was dealing with – such a tough, complicated issue in such like an honest, yeah, unusual way for the time. Yeah, I could, I can be, I, I'm on board with that. Yeah. So with Don too, I do kind of. So we touched on one of his kind of. Um, I'm not sure that archetypical journey is quite the right way to call this, but like his trip to the Bellevue Alcoholics Ward, mm -hmm. and then his trip to try and pawn his typewriter. Both of those <sighs> scenes. Um, like it, as we oh, kind of move more scene. into like overall construction of the story and then like the cinematography and some of the. Yeah. Do we want to talk about though the performances at the very end? Because I just, I thought Jane Wyman oh, killed it. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I I'm just wanted to tackle this because I think both she and Raymond Land do a great job, but especially Jane Wyman in this scene. Yes. So this is where, as Maggie mentioned, we had seen him um, curled up against the door after having this hallucination, mm -hmm. we have Helen back, um, and she is. Hold on, I need to actually turn. She to my basically notes for this. like puts him to bed. Um, she stays over on the couch, but I thought it was interesting. I was like, oh, it's very clear that Helen did stay over, and I wonder if 
people were scandalized by that at all in well, the 40s. I found it interesting the that the landlord, uh, landlord, landlady was just like, eh. Oh, yeah. But she the landlady no knew what was going on. Yeah. Oh, I love the character, the landlady. She's like yeah. the, I know exactly what goes on when in When she tells building. Helen, too, she's like, honey, you can do better. But anyway, he wakes up before Helen and Helen's still like in a robe and he takes her coat, the one that they met because of, and pawns it in trade for the gun he had pawned previously, which Helen finds out. And th- this is when Helen's like, I'm, I'm done with you. Yeah. Like when he takes the coat because she meets him outside the pawn shop and she's like, I and he like I don't even care if you give me the money to get it back. Like just give me the pawn ticket and I'll go buy my own coat back and then like yeah. it's over. Like I don't care. Like I'm done. This is the final straw. And then she goes in there to get the coat and he's like she's like how much was it? Like I'll buy it back from right. you. And the guy's like oh he traded it from a gun for a gun he pawned previously. Which again, we put the gun on the wall. It we did. Well, we put it on the wall way before. Yeah. Now, I will say in some of the writing in here, I wish had been a little bit more um subtle because she flat out mentions the the like you've pawned what started our relationship i wish there would have been trust in the audience to understand the significance of that so like i don't know that's a little and little bit of a bad bad though where she just goes the bullets so like oh no, no no i'm talking when they're still out on the street and he's like oh. don't make a scene and she's like you pawned my coat this is why we met all of that sort of thing it's like i didn't need them to spell that i don't out know i was okay with that because like she's so mad and i feel like it's her expressing why she's mad because he's like don't make a scene and she's like i'm not making a scene i just want my coat back yeah like that was i i liked the helen like done helen Oh, I did too. I and it was, was so satisfying. And then. Yeah. But then I, and at the same time, I just kind of wanted to be like, Helen, you need to just, I guess, I don't know if they would have had 911 back then. I don't think so. At that? I don't ooh, think they had 911 yeah, yet. Yeah, not at that point. Um, because if that happens to you in real life, what you should do is you just call 911, give them the person's name and address and be like, I'm worried that this person's going to harm themselves because of this, this, and this. And then the professionals get to go deal with this. Yeah. Um, not Helen. I don't – well, also, this is a film noir and a movie. So, I mean, <laughs> what, what is it without the, like, tense confrontation at the end? But, yeah, so Helen immediately rushes back. She knows what's going on. Don tries to hide the gun from her. Well, she's, but no. I love when she's, like, looking around the apartment and being, like – just, like, asking him questions. But even before that, the way she lets herself in with the key because – and I quote, I didn't think you would be around – yeah. Oh, that was such good writing yeah, there. And, and her she's delivery, like, stone Talking delivery. to him Ugh. and like when he's on the room, she's like clearly looking around for the gun. She finally sees the reflection in the sink mirror. Which let me tell you, great cinematography yes. at that point. Oh, yes. Another well, example. Again, we'll talk about cinematography. Um, But it's like – and it was so tense because we want Helen to get the gun before he does. Also – when she grabs the gun and he takes it back from her, I was so scared he was going to shoot Helen accidentally. I mean, me too. <laughs> Honestly, that might have been a but better ending for the film. It's modernist, remember. I know. It might have been a better ending for the film, if I'm being honest. But like, I got really scared that he was going to accidentally shoot Helen. I yeah. didn't think he would do it on purpose, but I thought he would accidentally do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's trying to talk him into having a drink. Because she's like, let's have a drink first. Like she's where she is so desperate to save his his life at this point that she's like actually trying to like bring the yeah, alcohol. Basically, like drunk out. is better than dead. Yes, and she says that mm-hmm. too. She's like, I'd rather have you drunk than dead. And I I don't know. I just thought that entire scene was so good. She ends up talking him out of it, which I'm trying to figure out exactly how that worked that time, but not the other times. And I'm I'm trying to. This is this is why the ending scene. I'm I don't. As you put it, I would have preferred a more postmodern ending. Yeah. Because the way that he just immediately switches off Drunk Dawn and it's implied that it's permanent. But like, why are we supposed to believe it's permanent this time? Well, and that was the thing too with the ending is I was left, I was like, oh, this ends on a hopeful note. But in my mind, like a week later, he's drunk again and Helen actually leaves this time. Like it's, I don't. I think it left you with that point of hope, but I think, you know, after everything we've watched from the movie that we as an audience, I I think kind of know yeah, that well, this one probably isn't permanent. Right. And going back to how you're talking about Drunk Dawn and the Writer Dawn being able to flip between them, he like flips to Writer Dawn almost immediately after dousing his cigarette in the cup of liquor, Can which I, I say, did enjoy. I like I liked that symbolism where she thinks he's going to take the drink and she's both sad and happy about it because it means he's not going to shoot himself but then right. he just drops the cigarette in there as like a symbol of like no i'm 
done this time. Also, can I just say I loved how every time he'd put the yeah, cigarette in his mouth, it was way. backwards, and, and <laughs> Helen would just automatically flip it, even if they were in this like really intense emotional scene. It was like a reflex for her. Well, and that I, I don't know that built how built up how close she was to Don and how much mm-hmm. she loved him. So I, that little subtle thing was nice. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But again, this scene where it's like, oh, I'm going to write this story and how many other men are struggling with the same thing that I did in this city and they pan out into the city. And I'm sorry, this this trite ending was like yeah. not what I wanted. Yeah, it wasn't what I wanted either. But so, other than that, like super enjoyed the movie. I know you didn't I, as much, but I was very down with it. I often have trouble getting over my frustrations with the characters and that very heavily covers my uh, or colors my enjoyment of the movie overall. I just like I don't know, like I I've known people who have struggled with, you know, not necessarily alcoholism, but like mm-hmm. mental illness or something like that and I just seeing it portrayed in such an honest way and like I mean, I don't know, have you ever had just like horrible self-doubt? Have you ever cried on a bathroom floor? Well, not on a bathroom floor, maybe in the shower. <laughs> or like cried in the shower or something. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like we've all, you know, even if Hey, we, we went haven't... to Georgia Tech. You didn't go to Georgia Tech if you didn't cry about it once. <laughs> but <laughs> don't get me wrong. Glad I went. Would glad never I went. Do it glad again. I'm out. Um, but like, I don't know. Like I seeing it portrayed in such an honest way and like re- just like being able to like recognize the self-doubt and like. Mm-hmm. No, I've never been an alcoholic, but I've also had moments of intense self-doubt and like self-loathing and I've felt not good enough. And it, yeah. I don't know. It was something that I, I thought that there were elements that I could relate to that character and I thought it was portrayed so well and, and mm-hmm. everything. So do we want to jump to cinematography? Oh, yes, please. Because there's so much to talk about. Oh, my God. It like, was so good. Even the first scene. So this is where we get the pan. So it's yes. they did bookend the movie with mm-hmm. they panned into the apartment at the very beginning and panned pan out. out from the apartment at the very end. But when we're panning in, looking over like the Chrysler building and other tall buildings that I can't name because they're not that. I don't know the New York, New York skyline. Sorry. <laughs> but then we get focused on the window and we see the string. At this point, did we see the alcohol bottle? Yep. Okay. We saw the bottle hanging from it. So poor uh, naive me who was like, oh, I don't know what's about to go on. He's probably keeping it out there so it gets chilled, but the window's wide open. So like my logic was not good there. But I loved how they were able to keep just a little bit of string in there in the shot through the window. When the framing through the window when Wick discovers the bottle, um, because you have Wick in the foreground pulling up the bottle and then you can see... Don and Helen behind him. And oh my God, I loved that framing. Well, and that immediately leads into Wick pouring out the bottle. And in the apartment, you were able to get through, I think, like three doorways where it had framed again in a similar fashion. It was a well-designed set. It absolutely was. And used really, really well when it came to composing these shots in the apartment Mm -hmm. specifically. So I guess let's talk about apartment shots to start, if that sounds good. Yeah, totally. So- that was another like standout for me through the doors, pouring out the mm-hmm. liquor um, and just like, uh, yeah, uh, loved it. Another really good one was more toward the end for me where, as Maggie mentioned, you see the gun in the shaving mirror um, or at least Helen notices, notices it there. So she's kind of standing in the foreground and you're looking back in the bathroom. We know that Don has put the gun in the sink, so it's like not immediately evident, um, but it's like this bright mirror that draws your eye to it and you're like okay i know exactly what's here the gun is on the wall i know what's about to happen so again it's building up this dramatic irony that i love yes well and like um the scene where he comes home drunk and he's got the two bottles of rye and he Uh hides one in the light fixture yes um so they do that and then later when he is like desperately in need of alcohol and they won't give him any at the bar Mm -hmm. He remembers that he has that bottle hidden somewhere in the apartment. He can't find it. And that's when he's tearing the apartment apart. And then, which the apartment never gets cleaned up to, which I like. Yeah, it's like agreed. That is a symbol of like his mind almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sits down. Or first there's a shot where he's bent over looking for something and we can see the light over his yeah, shoulder and we know that's where the, it like, is. like futon type Yeah, thing. and we know that that's where it is. And then later after he's, like destroyed the whole apartment and he's sitting down and you see the shot on the ceiling of the light filtering through the liquid in the bottle. And that's how he knows it's up there. Yeah. Ah, my God, that was so beautiful. And then there's one later where he comes home and the apartment's been destroyed at this point. And you just see him 
flick off the light and there's the overturned lamp in the foreground and the light goes out in the lamp. I don't know. I just really liked that. That was like the death touch. of hope. Yeah. Almost. I don't know. Or at least he's now like at rock bottom. Yeah. So I don't, th- again, the apartment set I think worked really, really well, mm-hmm. even in, um, so I kind of mentioned this earlier with the bottle that kind of rolled out from under the futon or chaise lounge or whatever we want to call it. Um, like, I, I guess that's, I don't, does that fall into cinematography or is that more like how you're using the set? I don't know. I don't know, but it was, I liked the way that they at least set up the shot so that we could see the bottle roll out. And then like yes. the angle that they had on Wick when mm-hmm. he notices it, they did it kind of an underneath yeah. angle. And I don't know if this is me imagining things. I hope it's not. But it seemed like in that scene after Dawn kind of came out and was like, okay, I, I'm the alcoholic here. It felt like the lighting and the shadows got much harsher. I don't know. But that could just be me misremembering. So I don't know. Um, I really, I really the lighting enjoy was the amazing, lighting though. and shadows um, there. Yes, for sure. And then we already kind of talked about the cinematography and the opera, um, the way they track the glasses, which was beautiful. Yep. Uh, there's the scene of him trying to pawn his typewriter and he's walking up the street and you've got the signs passing. This movie actually made that type of shot famous where you have the actor going towards the camera and you've got like signs passing. Yep. Um and they also filmed that actually in New York, but using like hidden cameras. So like the pedestrians didn't know like they were being filmed. So it's just like pedestrians walking. And Interesting. The the shot overall, I did enjoy. It was kind of fun to see that they prob- they did the like project onto a screen behind him as he's walking sort of yeah. thing, which is like a semi green screen technique. It, I Not actually green screen, but it's like the same sort of idea. Yeah. But it's it's kind of fun to see nice. how that was, they that was did. A cool shot. Um, and then let's talk about the Bellevue cinematography. <gasps> oh my gosh. So he All wakes up. All the good up. shadows. Yes. And so he in we cut to, so actually wait, let's, do the scene where he's talking to Gloria just before Bellevue. Okay. So he is desperate for a drink. He has no money. Oh, he I know goes to Gloria, yes. um, who she is the woman who was at the bar at Nats, which is yeah. his haunt. Um, he has stood her up for a date. We know this. He goes up to the first floor and she is pissed, rightfully yes. so. Now, I will say, I am very unhappy with how quickly she acquiesces and is like here have a kiss and he reeks you know he reeks but here's the thing is it's like it's so sad and again this is like him treating people who care about him horribly because he is so desperate right for alcohol and it's like because gloria knows exactly what's going on and he kisses her and then she like agrees to give him the money but she knows and she even says some stuff that it's like she knows Mm -hmm. But I do want to talk about that shot of um, Dawn in profile against the wall. It's this beautiful. Um, there's some vignetting around the the spot of light, mm-hmm. and you see the glistening sweat on him and this really stark shadow on the wall. Yeah, well, and, and then, it's just like, look at what a horror it is. That and this then man has when become. he falls down the stairs and the camera tumbles with him, yes, that was actually kind of cool. Very good. Um, and then, but that's what. Uh, yeah, that's why he why he ends up in exactly. Bellevue. Um, but yeah, him waking up and everything kind of coming into focus. And you see the, like, it's like the bars of the prison or reflected in shadow on the root of the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then during the nighttime when you have the guy like. Oh, but even before the nighttime. So the camera work in here, I loved with Bim. So when Bim has like gotten a shot of alcohol and has kind of forced Don back to his bed, you see, instead of having kind of a more neutral angle on stuff we get really low more from dawn's perspective and it gives bim this like looming feel which is perfect it's very sinister feel and then you know like i was saying during the night shots like the lighting's just so amazing and i love how you can see the like shadow of the like great or like that it's like kind of like chain link almost but it's like the shadow well, it's like the shatterproof glass has the like metal yeah, yeah. wiring the, in it and that's the wiring the and you can you see. see the pattern of it on don's face as he's just like horrified by all these people um hallucinating and yeah and it's all about i i do like how it's so dark really it's all about the what you don't see, not what you do see mm-hmm. in this case, because it's all about the noises that you're having. And it's like you might see some commotion over in the corner with the guy who feels like it's beetles crawling all over yeah. him. Um, but that, I don't know, makes it it's almost like what you don't see is more terrifying. Oh, yeah. And I know that um, I need to actually see 
bird box because I need to form an informed opinion. But from what I've heard is the fact that you don't see the thing that kills people is more terrifying than if you had. So it's almost that's like a, that's a basic I know, horror movie thing. I know. Well, that's why and I love it. That's why when Ali- don't watch Bird Box, watch Alien. Well, I'll, I'll watch both. But like <laughs> that's why Alien is so terrifying mm. is because you don't see the monster. And it's like until you fill in something so end. much worse. You just know that there is something. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I loved that. No, it was really good. It was absolutely horrifying and creepy. I loved every moment of it. Um. I don't know. Is that all I have for cinematography? There is one shot. I don't remember when, but it's the camera just going into the glass of liquid. And that was a really nice shot. Yeah. It's just some inventive storytelling stuff there. Um, when, and just like they'll often have like the drink in the foreground and mm-hmm. Dawn like pacing in the background. And, and again, stuff. the use of the like liquid rings on the counter mm-hmm. is is a it's really nice technique. That That's the one thing I did appreciate. Um, oh, my God. What's the director's name? Billy Wilder. Oh, my God. I want to call him Miles for some reason. No. Billy. I'm sorry. Billy Wilder. So though he, he does like to bookend so many of these scenes. And I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of also, a sucker for Also, just that. like, I don't want to talk a ton about the writing. But like, you know, we mentioned that there's like some good lines and stuff. I just, Billy Wilder is so incredibly good at writing self-destructive characters. Like, you know, listing his noirs particularly, like Double Indemnity. Uh-huh. And then, of course, Sunset Boulevard, which I know you've seen Sunset Boulevard. So... Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the character the of Norma Desmond, great. like. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean to like go through and mention some of the really high points for me in the writing, like angry Helen when she's like, "I know what your core is. It's a sponge, and it's just like yes. you suck up everything around well, you." Like that. The was thing is, too, amazing. So many of Don's lines, like you know, we've been told he's a writer, and he's like, "I can't finish anything." And there's one in particular where um he's telling Helen like, "Oh, I never finished any of my stories," and he's like, "You know, I get." a couple chapters in she's like well then write short stories he's like i have several first paragraphs of those and the first half of the first act of a play and it's like just clever but like we see things from don where we're like you would be a really good writer like he's great with words and there's one in particular i wrote down where he says um he's talking of i think about drunk don he's like in a thin clear voice like an e-string on a violin and like i i just love that analogy and there's so many nice little lines like that Oh, yeah. And I did appreciate, like, from, um, like, the overall narrative structure of it, like, you have all of this buildup of you can't finish anything, you can't finish anything. And then at the very end, Helen is like, oh, but now you know the ending. And that yeah. was in reference yeah, to yeah. His, she's like, the bottle. Yeah, she's like, you didn't, you know the ending, so you couldn't finish it, but now you do. Right. Um, Which, and again, her just, like, forced, her thing, forced but... manic optimism trying to talk him down was great from jane wyman i loved it it really was that um, was great last thing we want to touch on i want to talk about the score yes so i this is one of the f- love the score it was by i gotta look it up no worries but that was one of the first things Eastern i European actually name. noticed because i'm i'm so used to having such sparse sound in i'm these glad you noticed films. it because i was also trying to decide i was like am i hyper aware of the score because i did the no, <laughs> background again but no, it was good it all. was um miklos rosa I, it's also yep. the first score to use a theremin. I know that was I loved and it's that. So effective. Loved that in well, I, I view it as Dawn's theme, Dawn Drunk yes. Dawn's theme, yes. rather. And so you get the theremin, and it intensifies as his like yes. desperation intensifies. It was like so effective. The score was so good. It kept me so on edge because we're you know we've talked about the good dialogue and everything, and there will be like big blocks of dialogue, uh-huh. but a lot of this movie is just watching Dawn react and struggle. Yeah. So you have to, of course, fill that with something. And that score is amazing. I'd actually read that when they first showed this to a preview audience, they didn't have the score ready yet. So they used just kind of a generic jazzy score. What? And audi- I know. And audiences were like, this movie's terrible. Because the score there they were using did not fit at all. And then, of course, you put in the score. And this is now like one of considered an extremely good movie, one of the best right. movies of all time. So. But yes, I love Drunk Dawn's theme and the way that they swelled at specific points. Um, I'm trying to find in my notes exactly some of the examples that I had there. Um, yeah, I think it was the the first time that I really noticed it was after Dawn has his first like big drinking scene at Nats mm-hmm. and comes back to the apartment. And it's like, so this is kind of the scene where he tears up the apartment a little bit at first to try and find all his hidden alcohol. <laughs> um and but then again, it swells kind of towards the end of that scene. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's this is something that at least in Best Picture winners, like 
Gone with the Wind did it to great effect, but most of the other films, I don't really have a good. Rebecca had a very strong theme. Rebecca did as well. Um, but I don't know. This was I don't uh, kind of an evolution for me a bit and highly effective. At least I in the agree. ones again. Well, I also I've thought seen. the cinematography was kind of was a bit of an evolution too. Like we've had oh, some really yeah. great cinematography before. Don't get me wrong. Like we've had some really great cinematography, but this just this but, definitely felt like it was we're hitting kind of a new era. Yes, and it's like the scene, co- the composition of a frame in this was much more. I don't know, inventive, because especially with the angles and then using items in the set, like Mm -hmm. we said, with the mirror and the gun. I think that's something that you have to do, though, when you are doing a movie that is more character study. Yeah. Because you don't have as much plot to distract, so your characters have to be really, really good. Right. The dialogue has to be really, really good, and you have to be visually interesting. Yes. And again, even though, like... I am not the biggest fan of the plot of this movie. I'm so I for it. visually it is gorgeous. It I is it is a it. beautiful so beautiful film. That's the redeeming again, the redeeming thing for me. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm good if you Oh, I did sorry. I just saw my last note. It's Billy Wilder so meta cuz <laughs> cuz they like, you know, she's like you can write the story now cuz you know the ending, so it's almost like the story we watched his story, but they don't they yeah. don't make it they don't do it like heavily handed. Yeah. With that, but I just thought it was funny, so I wrote down Billy Wilder so meta. <laughs> okay. But with that, I think I'm good if you want to hit rankings. Definitely. I'm curious what do you do you have a pen actually? I do have a pen. Okay, because I want to change mine a little bit after having talked about it. I do this sometimes where I'll come oh, into the podcast and I be like, it's too. gonna be he- here on my list. And then as we talk about it, I'm like, I actually really hated that film, or I actually really loved that film. Yeah, ooh, I'm really torn here. Um so for me um are you good if i just go into it yeah all righty so for my rankings i am putting it in number 14 Ooh. so well so wait before let I'm me after- let me let me actually give this a little bit thought before i okay commit to that because that's low man it is really low also just think about like quality of movie because there are definitely some like i loved life of emile zola but yeah. it was flawed okay. so like Here's i I like that I'm... is a movie that like I absolutely love, and so sometimes I'll be like, "But I liked Emile Zola better than this," and I'm like, "But was it actually a better movie?" Yeah, that. Thank you. I needed okay. that. So I'm actually. Let me revise my number fourteen. Okay. <laughs> after talking about it, I actually am going to put it in the number ten slot. So that okay. is after How Green Was My Valley and before Going My Way. Okay. And so from a technical perspective, I definitely think this bested Going My Way. The way, oh mother fucker <laughs> i'm gonna call him miles again miles is not the director. billy wilder, billy wilder. <laughs> i'm getting you a t-shirt that just says billy wilder so the the way that he again shot this movie and then the way we're using score to amplify the effects into it like it was much more technically uh, inventive is the wrong word but like innovation and co- competence is not the right i'm trying creativity to, uh, basically it was good his okay. execution was really yes. really really good well it's a tighter script too than going my way and it's, yeah that and I this agree movie with. came oh, in at an hour 41 drag. minutes yeah that was i will it was say exactly as long as it needed to be about an hour in i was like what are we going to do with 44 i know you minutes? texted me and you were like <laughs> i'm not enjoying this and then i was like oh darn and then i sat down to watch it and i was like hooked pretty early and i was like Oh, it's, we're gonna have a disagreement. So what I need to do is watch it. Watch it at night, the all the lights off while yeah. drinking a really good bottle of red wine or scotch. Oh, then don't drink the whole bottle. But like uh, no, drink a couple no. drink a glass or two. But like no, don't drink, drink the, whole, the bottle. whole bottle. Although I was as I was watching it and drinking wine while watching it, I was like, is this incredibly right or incredibly wrong? <laughs> I don't know. And then Well, you had then two the whole glasses Bellevue of wine, thing. not the whole bottle. But, so. Very true. But then the whole Bellevue thing was happening. And I remember at one point just kind of like looking down at my glass of wine. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love um, it. So I am putting this as my new number six. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So it is actually above how green was my valley and behind Rebecca. Okay, so I'm glad it's not ahead of Rebecca because I was about to have a cow. It was <laughs> close. Um, I think I would say this: we kind of have three main characters, and Rebecca, mm-hmm. we probably we kind of have three main characters, and the overall 
performances of the main three in Rebecca are stronger than the main three in Lost Weekend. Um, but they both have incredible cinematography and incredible scores. I think they're they're very similar movies yeah. in some ways. Well, um, and I'd also say I liked the supporting characters in The Lost Weekend better. And I thought they're, the way they acted and the way they played into the story were better. Yeah. Than Rebecca? Uh, no. Oh. Better than what was the one that you were? How Green Was My yeah, Valley. Yeah, definitely before. better when, than How like, Green Was My Valley. I, How Green Was My Valley, I think I'm more likely to watch again. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I, I loved that movie. I think it's really good. I, again, also has great cinematography and great score. The Lost Weekend, I don't know. Like, I, it was just interesting. Like, it was very interesting. I need to rewatch this and with a new perspective. And, like, the cinematography was, like you said, it was just something, it was something new. It felt like something we had not seen before. Yeah. But I, yeah, and I think I think I watched it in like the perfect setting too. Ugh, honestly, I need to do so that. next time we have any more noirs, like that's gonna be my recommendation: watch your noirs late at night <laughs> with like a drink and with all the lights turned off. Definitely. I think that's it for this one. So thanks again for sticking with us. Oh, and actually, I need to make a correction. Okay. We said it was the 18th it Oscar. Is the 18th. It's the 17th. No, it's not. Going my way is the 17th because Casablanca is the 16th. Oh my goodness! I'm I you were I, okay. <laughs> Don't question me in my I'm research so slash Wikipedia I'm, reading, Ian. <laughs> I'm looking at the list and I was looking at going my way and I was like, oh, it's the 17th. But we're talking about the lost week in this episode. I'm sorry. Head in the game again. It's because we're in Maggie's closet. My, I'm just like not. <laughs> if <laughs> anyway. anything, the the contained space should keep the thoughts. Well, you know, sometimes it doesn't work that way. But thank you for listening, especially with our bantering about on inane and irrelevant topics like being in Maggie's closet. (laughs) Um, So yeah, join us next time for the 19th Best Picture winner, the best years of our lives. Yeah, And until then, if you want to find us on social media, we are at Best Pictures Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email us, we are bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to, you know, email us in, provide us any more context or thoughts on the film, we always enjoy hearing from you guys yes please do again not professionals so if if you are a professional and you have some reasons why we're wrong we really do want to know yes because we should probably share those with other people exactly so um if you're a professional and you have reasons why we're right even better exactly but anyway so uh that wraps up for the last weekend and we will catch you next time thanks for listening